I want us to become brothers again like we used to be, and for us to find ourselves and bond with each other. Can we agree to that? Opinions vary. Welcome to a bonus episode of Three Brothers Filmcast. As the world spent the last couple weeks focused on the passing of Queen Elizabeth and the state of the British monarchy, the film world lost what many might consider one of the royals of cinema, as much as he might have hated that notion. Jean-Luc Godard passed away on September 13th at the age of 91. Godard's influence on cinema is hard to overstate, as he was one of the key founders of the French New Wave movement and the last of a generation of European cinematic masters to pass. There is no more Ingmar Bergman, no Antonioni, no Fellini, no Truffaut, even Agnes Varda. Godard is now the last one to go, and it feels like a turning point in cinema, regardless of your thoughts on his oeuvre as a whole. Godard, along with Truffaut, began as a critic for the Cahiers du Cinema before deciding that the best way to critique and push the limits of cinema was to make films for himself. His 1960 feature debut, Abu de Suf, or Breathless, kicked off a new kind of French cinema, one that cast off the French tradition of quality in favor of freedom in terms of content. Here he draws on disreputable American crime films and noirs that he loved, and in form, his jump cuts, the handheld camera, cinema verite, work at aiming at vitality and a sense of spontaneity. He would remain for his entire career someone who pushed the limits of cinema in terms of craft and content. He dabbled in Maoism and then experimented with digital video long before it was common. Godard was a true experimenter and a scathing critic of cinema, but also someone who clearly loved the medium in his own way. And he remained committed to making films up until near the end, releasing two features in the last decade of his life. I've not seen nearly all of his films, uh, but I've seen a good number from various periods of his life. The ones I particularly like include two or three things I know about her and his offbeat sci-fi noir Alphaville, in addition to Breathless, Masculine, Feminine, and others. I didn't always appreciate his films on first viewing, but I've grown to at least to respect and accept the challenges he posed about the limits of the medium and the nature of cinema. So Aaron, I'll ask you to start. Do you have a favorite Godard films? Are, are you a fan of his work, of either his early exuberant 60s work, his strident political work of the 70s, and have you seen any of his late period work? Um, I haven't really seen any of his late work. I, I have kind of a complicated, I wouldn't say relationship to Godard, that might be not the right term, but uh, complicated thoughts about him in that I, I think of him very similarly to a lot of the modernist artists or postmodern artists, like in painters, in that I understand the importance and the influence, but I'm not sure I like the art. So like my favorite Godard films are his earlier ones before I think his deep cynicism started creating a combative stance with the person watching the movie, which I think is actually, it's present in all his works. Um, but I mm-hmm. find very off-putting, especially as, as like a filmmaker, I find that a very antithetical way of approaching uh, filmmaking. I think, I would, I would mention that I think what you're identifying is the turn after the 68 student uh, riots and his more mm. overtly political work he probably was upset and angry with a lot of the people, both in the cinema and the audiences that, you know, in, at that earlier he might have had more hope for. Yeah. So, like, I would say, like, Masculine Feminine is probably my favorite 
um, largely because of the cast. Mm-hmm. That's Anna Karina and Jean-Pierre Leo. Yeah. And I think they're very fun together. It's the one that I think has the Coca-Cola Marxism kind of yep. approach very, very well. Yes. And it, it's also the one where I think his enthusiasm for the possibility of the form comes out in a way where it becomes infectious for the viewer, even if he's still within the structure and the form, he is critiquing other ways of doing things implicitly. It's less abrasive and he doesn't seem to be getting in his own way, either in terms of adding theory into the film or um, simply making it like unwatchable to make some kind of point. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't seen, I haven't seen film socialism but like I know about the infamous thing because it was filmed in 3D where he splits the 3D where one eye, one side of the screen is like he desyncs it. And people are like, it's so brilliant. I'm like, well, it's brilliant in the way that like an art installation is. But as a movie, you've broken the movie like it's now unwatchable. Congratulations. So it's it's more like conceptually interesting than actually. Like, yeah, there's nothing the, to watch. You can't see the, it. <laughs> like, the last one about? of his that I saw uh, was um, in Praise of Love, Eloge de l'Amour. Uh, which is a digital work and explores aspects around like the Holocaust (laughs) and and memory and the way that different film uh, mediums uh, have a different sort of testimonial uh, relationship to reality in a sense. So I find that one again, it's it's 2000, I want to say 2000s, late 2000s. But uh, you know, again, it's a film that I more respect and than it enjoyed I think is yeah. a fair way to say it. Whereas I do actually enjoy some of his early movies. I think Breathless is still really fun. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, Alphaville is actually kind of fun in the way it plays with like noir and, you know, having, having the sort of, you know, the black and white detective character in this sci-fi world. It's not really sci-fi. It's so clearly like, you know, 60s Paris, but it also plays on like the, the modernism of, you know, it'd be interesting to contrast something like Alphaville with like uh, Jacques Tati's playtime and the whole what was going on in Europe with uh, the new buildings and, and modernity and things like yeah. that. I, I also agree with you, Aaron, that it really depends on the performers. Um, I think his earlier work with when he had like Anna Karina when he was married to her, it shows that he really <laughs> like. The camera loved her in those movies, and I think probably the other one that is w- one of his other masterpieces, if not maybe his best film, is Vivre Civie, like My Life to Live, um, about Anna Karina as a prostitute, and it's it's made up of a series of sequences, and it's uh, it's, it's quite good, but it, it it almost moves almost into more Bressonian territory, so that's probably why I like it rather than some of his more, uh, you know irreverent and uh work yeah i mean i'm pretty similar to you guys in the um or more to aaron probably in that like i've seen you know a good chunk of his 60s work and then never really i've never really seen his like very political 70s stuff his late stuff um i've always again like i think your phrase anders of uh appreciation without necessarily like liking it's hard to sort of i think like I, i like breathless quite a bit um, when I saw it, um, I didn't love Band of Outsiders when I saw it. Um, I recently rewatched Masculine Feminine like last week after he had died, and I was like, oh no, like I, I really like that movie. Um, I think partly what's great about that movie is that it, it really, um, it, it the the self critique, um, the fact that it's clearly critiquing also the kind of like people <laughs> who was making those yeah. kinds of films with the blend yeah. of the right the. The Marks and Coca-Cola, the blend of the people. The radical who were, impulse to be a commercial filmmaker. Yeah, yep. they, they were wanting to be radicals, but you know, and it, it like 
because that there's sort of that self critique rather than sort of the confrontationalness. I, I um, like I, I obviously understand that a confrontational stance can be like an artistic standpoint one might take, but like you know, it, it necessarily involves that you might lose your audience. Yeah, or you might and draw I, I them in, seen... and that's the play, and that's the play he was willing to take. Yeah. Right? So um, like Le Chinois, uh, Tu Vas Bien, which he made with uh, Jane Fonda. Those ones I actually haven't seen them, yeah. and that's when he became very like explicitly political in his sort of like uh, you know that period. And then I actually do want to check. I've heard nothing but good things. It's it's I've never seen his King Lear, which I'm kind of curious about. His eight in the eighties. Oh, so. No, I I would like to um, see that. I'd be curious. Yeah. But I, like I saw Alphaville for the first time in 2020, and I I had tweeted about this like a few months ago. That was just sort of like it was a movie that I watched, I liked it, but then it's really been lingering around in my mind. And I like it more and more the more I think about it. Mm-hmm. And I like actually, I, it's actually a movie where I think it's like it's experimental approach. Actually, like it isn't just um, deconstructive, no. but it actually like adds something to our understanding. Like the idea of making his um, sort of technocratic dystopia actually just present day when he was shooting at France and aspects of it, right? Shooting in those modernist buildings, as you said, the certain architecture and stuff, actually holds a lot of meaning and conveys a lot yeah. of meaning about sort of an emergent dystopia that's sort of laid over the present and, and ongoing. So like there's a movie, and I think there's something about artists like him where um, the iconoclastic artist or the person who is, seeks out to break things in order to potentially remake them, um, it, it is a certain task that like in some sense it has to happen every now and then in art forms, but on some level the experimenter and the iconoclast are most valuable for how they influence others yeah. and for necessarily like I'm not trying to say like Godard isn't important but he's so important partly because so much of what he broke down is just reabsorbed and became how we did things in film afterwards and like that that's probably his significance it's what it's almost more the influence he's had on others like I can't point to any of his movies personally I just can't point to any of his movies and be like I adore this as a work of art but some of them, I really admire what he's like trying to do in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aaron, I know you were always more of a Truffaut guy. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, with the new wave, I like the fact that Truffaut is a little more. I mean, he's more sentimental, and that's like obvious. Mm-hmm. He's obviously working more in auto fiction, which is something that Godard like. It it slips in there through like self critique or or through, you know, he's um interrogating impulses of his own artistic ability, but he's. It's not really making movies about himself. Yeah. My issues with Godard come down to like, I just, some of his films, like for instance, I watched two or three things um, I know about her recently. And there are aspects of that film where I'm just like, this ceases to be a movie about anything but you. Yeah, because <laughs> it becomes filmmaker. so self-absorbed in the process of like... Well, it's his his whispering narration about all the things, the, all the anxieties that bother him, which is an interesting concept to have in there. But again, why is it presented through a slightly grating whisper? It's kind of similar in Alphaville, the fact that the um, giant technocratic <laughs> machine is... Yeah, that like the, the whole way time the it just has this awful raspy. low pitch, and you're like, you know, this anno- is annoying. 
but you push it so hard that it's like, okay, you're, you're challenging me. You're trying to come at your, you know, you are embedding a thematic substance into the actual form to a point where I am now rejecting it because I'm supposed to reject that in the story or the theme. But mm-hmm. like, if I stop watching your movie, see, it's just the reason why I have a little, I think it's a little more different than, um, it's a different relationship between the, the, the relationship between a filmmaker and a person watching a movie, I think is different than the relationship between a person reading a book, uh, artist, uh, like a writer and a person reading a book or a painter and a person want, looking at a painting is that the film is a totalizing experience in that if I'm to engage with it, I have to allow it my the entirety of my attention. I can't just close the book, come back to it later when I'm ready to not get upset about it. It's not a painting where I can walk away and walk back to it. It's a movie. The movie keeps playing. So if I break the engagement, I'm no longer actually engaging with the movie at all. And so there's this thing it's like, well, are you just tough? It, it, I don't know. There, I think there's this Yeah, so there's maybe like someone fan- like Michael Haneke is like, you know, the modern version of that or like pushing the limits of like yeah. punishing the audience yeah. for like, you know, funny games. It's like, actually, you're a bad person for watching this movie. Well, you I know? think there's, like, ac- no, there's I, aspects I don't know of if Godard goes that far. No, always, I don't think he goes. It's more, I, don't think he, I think it is more self-critical in a way. I don't think he goes that far. But what I'm saying is that if you have essentially been like, you, you per- you're purposefully making your art grating and ugly and arch and almost like purposefully difficult to wrestle with to the point where I no longer want to engage with it. It's, it seems like a more of a wrestling match than an art piece. Like, and I think the piece, I I don't want to ascribe a bunch of stuff to people who like absolutely adore Godard, Mm -hmm. but I do think there is a bit of a like poserishness thing where the people who love a lot of people online, which is lots of posing. No, is that they, they love Godard because he, is the person they want to be, which is the cool, badass film critic who becomes an experimental filmmaker, Marxist, who is dating the hot chicks and telling the world to F off. It's it's not that they actually, like, I haven't, in all, in much of the appreciations of Godard, aside from, like, Richard Brody and some of the others who actually really engage with them as texts, I have not seen appreciations that go beyond the affect of Godard yeah. and the idea that he had his combative stance towards his audience so, was actually a that's more of an virtue. indictment of film Twitter, Aaron. Okay. Than... No, it's an indictment of criticism. And But him being a critic, okay. becoming a artist, means that he already had this idea of, I can master the material because I've mastered it from a critical lens. Now I'm going to master it from the artist lens. He, he, the thing is, like, if you're going to compare him to, say, a Picasso, I always say this, Picasso's art is great because he learned to work paint it like all the other painters and then he did it better than them and then he de- deconstructed it it's not that he just skipped straight to the deconstruction yeah, but i would say but, that that's why well, breathless is so important because i actually think breathless is just from? a entertaining like good yeah. film yeah but so right? okay, like, okay. Bre- that, he starts with breathless he says here's entertainment here's my but he's already breaking on, like, a ton of rules in breathless yeah, but, but okay but here's the thing he doesn't this i think this this partly explains godard that we have to remember that he's coming at this from he was a critic, and then he became the filmmaker. And and there, Godard has a special appeal for people, and he's especially appealing to criticism, because he is very interesting to talk about and to analyze. Yeah, he's yeah. just loaded with themes. the question. I think Aaron's getting at is that um, how does this work on on an audience? And I think yeah. maybe um, like I do have a a po- very positive thing to end off about an aspect of his films. But so like I you know. I'm studies, I'm someone who studies um, estrangement, estranging devices in literature, uh, specifically Brecht, in John right? Donne. Like, 
Yeah. Uh, how do you make things strange, more like challenging, difficult like for a reader? But my thing is that with um, with a poem by John Donne, a sonnet that you actually have to wrestle with to understand, that is off-putting at points, because it's a poem, it's easy to read it once, have that sort of um, distancing experience, and come back at it. Yeah. You don't... You don't... It, which is a challenge, I think, for the use of, like, distanciation or estrangement or whatever you want to call it is this the question is that um where do you see the process playing out in the actual first viewing are you trying to distance an audience and then by the end you're you're trying to sort of bring them back in to understand certain things or is this the kind of thing where they should then walk away out of the movie and be like i don't get that think about it rewatch the movie it's a question that i think is, yeah. is worth thinking about but and the other thing I, um, I will say aaron about like the, the sort of Picasso analogy is like he and you know like Truffaut had that the, the famous essay that launched it the on a certain tendency in French cinema that him and Godard were like were tired of these they're based they're always based on classic literature they're always reputable they have to have like these clear like you know particular trajectories and messages and and you could say well you know, you could still make a film that's really engaging. I would argue that that that, that actually they're building on that Truffaut and Godard are already building on the shoulders of certain earlier French people uh, filmmakers who had already done, like challenged the the cinema of quality uh, in, in France. Like, uh, you know, I could say Renoir, Renoir myself. You know, like with Rules of the Game and stuff like that, and Grand Illusion, and then or you want to go even earlier. I mean, like really is is Jean Vigo the like he was doing the new wave like before World War Two, right? So like Truffaut and Godard are like gonna are kind of semi consciously picking up on that the, the those threads of a film that were moving through there where they were still making, you know, coherent, entertaining, uh, united pieces and then pushing it forward. I mean it's it's a bit of a standing on the shoulders of giants kind of thing. But I, I would say that that's the only thing I would temper in terms of saying, yeah. like, whether or not he could actually do it, you know. But that always becomes a question with artists where it's like if you're going to do, like, a consciously low grade where you're, like, we're purposely trying to make this sort of rough and dirty. Yeah. But it wasn't a, even that they consciously, approach. it was like they didn't have the money, right? Like, they only but got that, some was, of that stuff off the ground yeah. because, like, yeah. you know, Jean-Pierre Mioville is like, yeah, yeah, you guys, here, come use my, like, some stuff. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not I'm not saying I dislike Godard, but I wrestle with him and I, I, I struggle yeah, I think that's with what you embracing be yeah. him. And I don't like, so, like, even when you said he's a, you know, he's the last of these masters. And I'm like, I wouldn't say he's a master. I think he's extremely influential, but he, I don't think, I haven't seen evidence of him mastering cinema ever. I've seen very interesting examples of cinema, but even compared to somebody like Antonioni, who I struggle with a lot too, there is a overwhelming artistry that I find present in Antonioni's work that I, I really do struggle to see in some of Godard's works where all I'm seeing is him. But uh, I realize that to 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 have my own to 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 see the right story I want to see I have to participate and uh, I've not, uh, you ca I can't only give uh, five dollars and receive a uh, huge piece of fantasy or mystery or something I have to work on it uh, I feel responsible of of what I see and the best way to 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 answer to this responsibility is to go on making movie in that so uh, I'm at least sure I will receive 
the right movie for me to see, or if I don't, I will be responsible for, for it because I've made it. Yeah, and I would agree. Like, let's say someone else, who, the other French New Wave director who who passed away in the last couple of years was Agnes Varda. I don't know if you've seen many of her films beyond Cleo. Um, I've only seen Cleo. Uh, Gleaners and I, her, one of her more, like films from like the late '90s, is like fantastic. This sort of auto documentary kind of thing, maybe more in that Truffaut uh, mode, but it's like uh, you know. I think that over time, you're right, that some people may reappraise some of these people. I'll, I'll put my cards on the table that I'm kind of always more of a left bank fan, like Renee and Marker and Varda were more Yeah, see, I don't really like Marker I, I kind of like, yeah. <laughs> like, I struggle with him, too. My, so you, you mentioned him briefly, but my thing is, like, very clearly the best filmmaker of France in the 1960s is the guy who was the counter to the new wave, the, the established dude, Jean-Pierre Melville. Like, he's better than yeah, all Mel- of them. Melville isn't. <laughs> because he's doing things that are actually attacking various, some aspects of the system in the same way, but he's doing it through um, entertainment, which I think somebody like Adar would say, well, that's bullshit. You can't actually deconstruct a system from within it. You can't critique. Um, you know, there's all this voiceover stuff in two or three things I know about yeah. her, about how, how can you um, refine capital when you're, like, a part of it. And it's like, well, I don't know, man. That's just like, a conditional <laughs> life, man, right? Like... Um, of course, I don't know, I don't know what his actual relationship, like Melville is in Breathless. So. No, I know. But no, but the, see, that's some of the things is that there's these other aspects of Godard where like I'm, you, you guys both know this about me because as you know, the non-academic brother of the three of us, like I'm kind of allergic to theory. I don't like it <laughs> because I think that theories, uh, maybe I shouldn't even say this, but like theories written by people who can't make an art say something. So they write theory. I like <laughs> Because they can't make li- they can't make something look like life, so they break it down into something else, which is valuable in its own sense. But that I don't find it art. So I think there's some truth to that, Gomez. So I struggle with so I struggle with some of his movies where I don't know how artistically important it is. I think it might be formally important or thematically important, or you know, it's it's important in the history of cinema. It's very important. But um, I want somebody I want somebody out there listening, maybe. Um, like I know I know. I know there's some people who listen to this who are big fans of Godard, and I want to know what they find so essential about him as a filmmaker and about that act of watching his movies. It can't just be the ideas. Like, what is it that makes the watching of the movie essential? So one thing, and I don't think this characterizes all his films, and I haven't seen anything close to all his films, right? But specifically his 60s films, apart from the, um, right, their, their film innovations, their play with the, with the forms of film... The other thing I would say for them, from the ones I've seen, specifically the ones that are set in Paris in the 60s, right? Like, so not Alphaville, which is, right, sort of science fiction, but Breathless, um, especially masculine feminine. What I think they also hold value for is, is in the cinema verite aspect of them, in that I think they're very good at presenting what it might have been like to live in 60s Paris uh, among these, these type of people. In capturing the feel of that, um, the, the the sort of vitality, but at the same time the underlying sort of angst, ennui that is is sort of undergirding all of this, the flirtation uh, with rebellion and revolution culminating in 1968, but also, right, it's, it's the children of Marx and Coca Cola. It's still it's still a capitalist society, mm-hmm. and I think I think that there's something enjoyable about that in terms of entertaining. There's something where it's like oh like. There's something cool about aspects of these films that is entertaining, and I think there's some truth in them um, about their 
their portrayal of a period. So in some weird sense, um, it's almost like a period piece. Yeah, a document of a bygone age. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Three Brothers Filmcast. Goodbye, Mr. Bowman. I bid you farewell. <laughs>